0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Good morning. Uh, My name is uh, Daniel Kim, DK. I have the awesome privilege to lead here in the singles ministry. Um, It's good to be here with you guys. If you guys notice, if you guys look around, there's a little couple of empty seats today, right? Uh, That's because Kike and Deli's getting married today at 3 o'clock. So, I might not see as many singles and familiar faces, but, you know, we're still here together, amen? Um, so, we've been going through this series called FAQ, and that's called Frequently Asked Questions About Christianity, right? And hopefully the series has been good for you guys. And last week, we uh, went over why do we go to church, and Dustin Peckman went ahead and did that, and we learned that church is not a building. Uh, it's a group of people where, where we gather, and we build each other up, and that we can get our faith from God, Amen. And so today, we're going to switch topics here, and we're going to go ahead and talk about why does God allow suffering, okay? So why does God allow suffering? And I want to ask you guys, you know, has who's, who here is excited about suffering? Raise your hand if you're excited. No hands? Okay, I hope not. Who here wants to say, you know, I can't wait to suffer next Friday? You know, pencil me in. I might be free uh, from 3 to 5, you know, I want to do some suffering. You know, hopefully not, right? That's not a, a good thing to feel. But I want to ask you guys a different question. Who here has actually suffered in their lifetime sometime? All of us, right? Yeah, myself included. And and none of us is spared from suffering. You know, uh, just to kind of share about my life, uh, I've had a lot of suffering in my life. Um, I know I'm young, but uh, God has uh, definitely put me through the fire. You know, when I was young and uh, when I was about 10 years old, my mom left and abandoned our family. Um, She left our family, and uh, it was a big hole in my heart uh, not having my mother around me. Um, it affected my dad a lot. Uh, he became, a, you know, to start getting into drinking more and became an alcoholic. And it just really changed his behavior. You know, he was more uh, brash and just not himself, just angry all the time. And and uh, it left a big hole in my family. And uh, um, and then eventually, I even got taken away from my family. It was put into uh, foster care. And I, I grew up with a different family, not even my biological family when I was young. And just the stresses of that and the suffering I was at as a kid. It's almost unfath- unfathomable to kind of understand, like, what I'm really feeling until now I'm able to talk about it. But as a kid, I-, I used to just, you know, feel really awkward and insecure about the little things. You know, I used to get dropped off to middle school or elementary school, and uh, the kids would be dropped off by their parents, and my-, my friends would see me getting dropped off by somebody else. And they're like, hey, Daniel, who's that? Where's your mom? Where's your dad? And having to answer these kind of awkward questions at such a young age, it was weird. You know, I always feel like I I wasn't part of something. I feel like my family's out there and I'm not with them. And um, it's become such, even to this day, it's such a taboo topic. You know, with you guys, I've talked about it. You guys all know my story. I've shared it openly. I have no problem with that. But even when I think about my coworkers, my bosses, people that I meet outside of our family or church, you know, it's a taboo topic. I don't say, hey, guys, guess what happened to me when I was young? You know, this is what happened. My mom abandoned me. Hey, guess what? I was in foster care and I was adopted. You know, it's a really weird topic. And then when people find out, they're just so shocked. They're like, wow, we had no idea. But, you know, I've had my share of sufferings. I'm sure you've had your story too. But, you know, many people believe that if God is truly the God of love and mercy, he'll be bound by his own character and principles to prevent suffering in the world, right? So this brings up a good question. Why doesn't God intervene to prevent suffering? Why? Why does God allow evil? You know, anyone who's ever felt pain and suffering has probably wondered this. Like, why, God? Why is this happening? Is it because he lacks the power to prevent the pain and suffering is because he doesn't have the power to save us? Is it because he doesn't love us enough? Maybe he's all powerful, but maybe God's not all good. He can't be both. You know, many people assume suffering and evil is the same thing. Because suffering feels so bad, it has to be evil. Right. And God is the creator of evil. But, you know, I want to ask you this first question before we get into suffering. You know, what is evil? And it's helpful to learn what the definition of evil is. You know, one helpful approach of problem of evil has to do with defining evil. Christian thinker Augustine defined evil as something not in itself by itself. So he considered evil something that's missing, you know, something that's lacking is nothing by itself. So let me show you a picture. Oh, it's not responsive. Here we go. There we go. You might need to uh, do that for me the whole time. There we go. So there's a, a, a jacket. And so what do you guys see here? You guys see a hole in the jacket, right? The jacket is something, but the hole is not. The hole is part of the jacket, but the hole by itself is really nothing. You know, the, ja- the hole is something small rather than something that is lacking. Augustine considered evil something that is missing. It requires good to exist because it's a parasite. If evil is not an actual thing, then God can't be the creator of evil. God is the author of good, and we make moral choices that result in evil. Amen? So I want to ask you guys this question. So why doesn't God just ban evil? Why doesn't he just get rid of it? You know, to answer this question, we must consider the consequences of what that would mean. If you were to get rid of all evil and all suffering, that means we're, we're not understanding a fundamental understanding of one's God's greatest gifts. And that's how man has continued to abuse his gift. And that gift is... It's free will. You know, God gave us free will where we always have a choice. And so we're not going to be like robots. Aren't you guys happy that you guys aren't a robot? Aren't you happy that you're not programmed every morning to do a certain uh, function? That we all have our own free will. It's God's greatest gift to us. You know, if I... You guys, mind it? there you go. Can you go back one? There you go. You know, if I drove in a car and I drove 120 miles an hour and I'm like weaving through all the lanes and I'm going fast and the furious and I'm like drifting like DK and I'm passing all the red lights and I go in a car crash and I hit a tree and I get hurt or if I die, is that God's fault? You know, if I decided to eat 10 tubs of ice cream every single day for the next 20 years, every single day. And then later on, I developed diabetes and health problems. Is that God's fault? It's Handel's fault. It's Handel's fault. You see that kid? He has three. He's multitasking. I don't even know how he has three hands. But look. And then what if I became a certified full-time couch potato? I just stayed at home. I ate chips all day. I slurped on ices, And I never worked out, not even during the commercials. And I just sit there and watch my favorite TV shows every single day. You know, I would gain weight and I would have, you know, health complications. And if that happens and I start getting tired and fatigued, is that God's fault? You know, the answer is none. None of them are God's fault. You know, these are choices that God has set up and he's given us a moral law for us to uh, uh, live by. You know, but not all choices is about driving safely and eating healthily and using your time wisely. You know, the Bible talks about choices that can affect Our big impact on our lives. And what do I mean? Here we go in in our first scripture here. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 to 20. It reads, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will love and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away... And you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. The day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord, uh, Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land you will swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So is God forcing the Israelites here to follow him? No. He said in the scripture here that he says to choose life. He's actually giving them an option. He actually pleads with them at the end. He says, choose life so that you and your children may live. He doesn't want you to have destruction. He doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to choose life. Another passage here in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. This is when Joshua was at the end of his life, and he was telling this to the Israelites, God's people. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served among the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, I will serve the Lord. So again, you just see options. You see choices. God doesn't say, hey, follow me. You know, another passage, even Jesus says it, uh, excuse me, not this passage here. And Jesus says in, 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 in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, anyone who wants to come after me must what? Deny himself. He said you, must, you, you, you have a choice to deny yourself. You know, but we've abused this gift, haven't we? We don't follow God. When God gives us these warnings and he tells us to, you know, it started back in Adam and Eve. We're not going to turn there today for our sake of time. But if you go back to Genesis chapter three, you'll see Adam and Eve. You see that God created the first humans, Adam and Eve. And he created Eve and he had a border of Eve and everything inside of Eve was protected. God had their backs. There was no suffering. There was no pain, no heartache. And God says to not eat. You can eat from anything except for this tree. And what did they do? They ate from the tree. They listened to Satan, and they listened to their sinful nature to grow in their knowledge, and they ate the tree. And they ultimately got banished from uh, Eden and was banished outside of it. And then what happened? There was life. There was death. There was suffering. And, and it continued. You know, you guys ever hear the saying, you reap what you sow? You know, I used to hear it all the time when I was a kid. I was like, you reap what you sow. My aunt used to always tell me that. Um, and my aunt, she uh, she lives in Dallas, Texas, and she owned a retail store. And me and my cousins in the summertime we would always go there in the summer times. And uh, we would be in the back just playing around. And we're like eight years old. And guys, if you guys don't know, boys with a lot of time is not good. <laughs> you know, when you're bored, bad things just happen. I'm just saying. It just happens. And I don't know how, and I didn't even question my cousin, but he like bought all these fireworks from somewhere. And he's only like a few years older than me. He's like 12 years old and I'm like eight. He's like, hey, I got some fireworks. You want to, like, fire them out? And I'm like, uh, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And so I, I, I said yes. And he had, like, these boxes of fireworks. And we went to the back of the store. Uh, <laughs> I know. We went to the back of the store, and then we went to the bathroom. I think we went in the women's restroom. And he decided to put some on the toilet around it, like in a circle. And he put some above on top of the, the toilet where the handle's at. He put some over there. And he put some all on the corner. And he just... Put a fire on all of them. We're like, go on three. And then one of them, he didn't get to do go back and, and light it. So he went back, and then they all just started exploding. It was like, Eow! It was just like loud. It sounded like warfare in there. And uh, the paper towel actually caught on fire, and all the stars started happening. And the smoke, and my aunt was running back, and she's like, what's going on? And there was a fire. So she got the fire extinguisher and put it out. And man, did I get in trouble? She told me, you reap what you sow, nephew. And she told my dad about it, and man, I got the biggest trouble. I'll just leave it at that. I got in so much trouble. You guys, I'll leave it up to your imagination. I got in so much trouble that I'll never forget that day. You know, but you reap what you sow. You know, but you guys know that actually came from the Bible? I didn't know that. You know, there's a cause and effect. It's not God who's doing this to us. It's us. You know, a lot of our suffering, it can actually be traced right back to us because of our folly, our mistakes. Can it? And and just like Adam and Eve, there's consequences to our sin. You know, war throughout the years. It's not that God started wars. It's that these generals and kings, they were greedy. They were prideful. They wanted to conquer. They already had so much an abundance in their country, but they wanted more. You know, you hear countries like North Korea. They want more. They want absolute control, right, with the, North, with the nuclear weapons. And even just basic things of our, the, our day-to-day. You know, when we smoke, drink, when you lie, you have sex with multiple partners, Aren't there consequences to all these things? There is. You know, smoking is well documented that if you smoke and you smoke continuously, you can develop lung cancer. Isn't it? That's not a, a, a myth. It's, it actually happens. When you drink a lot and it's excess, it destroys your liver. When you lie a lot, it causes a lot of emotional scars and trust issues for people. Right? And I don't even have to go into having sex with multiple partners. There's all these problems and it comes back to us. So what are we left with is a clear biblical teaching which seems to be confirmed by our own experiences. God has given us free will to do good or evil. So do we blame God for this? Would we prefer to live in a universe where free choice was just wiped out? Would you guys want to live that way? No, of course not. You know, I say that true love, love gives choice, doesn't it? You know, I think about parents, and, you know, there's different parenting. Every, Every parent... Parents, their kid, differently. I don't have kids yet, but one day I will. But, you know, the parents that dramatically over-control their kids, right? They take away every decision for them. They just micromanage them. Is this a loving way to treat our kids? You know, loving parents, like a loving God, train their children to make good choices. They influence through example, love, and discipline. But they don't manipulate or remove choice. You know, it was God's will to create people too. It was God's choice. And He actually took a chance on us. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make us humans, and I'm going to give them free will. And they can love me. I hope that they do love me and want to obey me. But I'm also giving them the option to hurt me. You know, and I think that takes a lot of courage from God. So giving us free will, is that an evil thing? You know, God allows us to make our own conclusions in the matter. I don't know about you guys, but I'm thankful that I can make my own choices. You know, the question about whether God is both loving and powerful, that question is big. You know, agnostics always think about that. God can't be both. You know, that I say that God is so powerful, he's so loving, that he took a chance on us, right? He didn't have to. But that God did that. He didn't force us, but he could have, but he doesn't. You know, love is a choice, and he wants to to give that choice to us. You know, what an amazing God and loving God that we have. Amen? You know, selfishness, greed, anger, jealousy, these sins actually hurt people. But is it because of our actions, do we blame God for that? Or does that come back to us? You know, before we move on to our next topic of suffering, I want to emphasize an important disclaimer and point going forward. Not all suffering is a result of sin. Okay, we just talked about simple things. My actions have consequences. If I drive 120 miles an hour trying to be Drift King, I die right? If I commit a sin, it can come back and get me. But not all suffering is a result of sin. So we're going to go ahead and talk in our next passage here. John chapter 9, verse 2. It says, as he went alone, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Did he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in them. You know, I love this passage, you know, not just even in the Old Testament, but Jesus says in the New Testament that it's not just sin that causes suffering. Sometimes this man was born blind because God's just allowed it. Hopefully that he could see God. But my second reason why God allows suffering is the same aspect of moral law that he set up that we can make choices, he's also set up natural law, did not he? Here it is. Here's some pictures here. So we got tsunamis, tornadoes, earthquakes, volcanoes erupting. Is this evil? Did God do this intentionally to us? You know, some of these are just caused naturally. You know, even aging and dying. You know, when God created the universe, it was extraordinary. well. He says in Genesis 3 that it was good. Very good. You guys ready for some science? Who who likes here? Who loves science here? Okay, that's about half the room. So the other half, please follow me. Stay with me. I'm going to try my best. All right? All right, so ready for this. Scientists inform us that the force of gravity, the electronic magnetic forces, the nuclear strong and weak forces are all fine-tuned to the T. And what do I mean? In other words, if any of them were changed just a little bit, the whole universe wouldn't be able to function. They wouldn't even be able to sustain life. Just even a little bit. And what do I mean? Let me go into it even further. If the force of gravity was a minuscule fraction just a little smaller, galaxies and stars and planets would not have formed. If the gravity was ever slightly just a little stronger, the universe would have collapsed millions of years ago. So it had to be fine-tuned to the T for us to have life. Isn't that crazy? Even the very fact that this Earth... You know, guys, inside the earth, there's heat. There's this core inside of our earth. You know, it's called radioactive uranium and the action of plate tectonics caused by the release of that heat. Stay with me, guys. The plate te- without plate tectonics, the earth will have no atmosphere and the soil will lose its ability to produce, uh, support life a long time ago. It controls our oceans, the temperature. So before we fault God for causing earthquakes, Can we come up with a better universe and environment that doesn't include plate tectonics? Can't we? You know, are earthquakes evil? No, but they're necessary for life. You know, the same can be said about hurricanes, floods, volcano eruptions. You know, you guys have heard about bacteria, right? Good bacteria and bad bacteria. The very reason that we're here breathing and alive is because of bacteria. It's in us. It's allowing us to function. Right? It helps us to digest our food, help us to stay healthy, break down muscle, like a lot of different things. But in the same bacteria, there's bad bacteria that can cause us to get sick. So would you guys conclude that bacteria is evil? That there's like an evil bacteria out there just infecting things? No, I don't think so. I think that God has designed natural laws for things to happen. And to the critic who feels God did not do a good enough job in designing the natural world, you know, I want to tell them, please, Suggest a better natural system than the one we have. And while you're at it, create it with nothing. So I'm going to give you some, some supplies, nothing. And I want you to create a better natural system than the one we currently have. You know, it's no simple task. You know, we should thank God then, rather than doubt him. You know, God created this natural system that gives us life. And sure, there's some dangerous aspects of that. But is that an evil thing? Does this mean that God is weak? He's not loving. Or he's not intelligent enough to solve the problems. Far from it. You know, in the words of David, in Psalms chapter 19, verse 1 through 2, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. You know, God created a thing of wonder and beauty. You guys ever watch a sunset? Sunrise? Live? Not on YouTube. YouTube doesn't count. I'm talking about live. It's beautiful, right? You can't explain it. It's like orange and yellow and sometimes green in the background. It's beautiful. You know, but if it was up to me, if you know, if I was able to be God for a day, how would I create Earth? You know, sure, I would make it the same. I'll probably make it with less dangers. I'll make it about 70 degrees to about 75 degrees with a cool breeze from the from the ocean. That will be my world. But hey, I'm not God, right? Who am I to question God? God has made that amazing and beautiful. Amen? And then, we, so we just talked about moral laws. We talked about natural laws. But there's also additional causes of suffering that we haven't talked about. And these are even more detrimental sometimes. Even more suffering is felt. Something like death. Cancer. Chronic pain. Losing a spouse. Divorce. Loneliness. Depression. And it goes on and on and on. What about these? What about these? What about these types of suffering? You know, bear in mind that there's going to be some suffering that none of us is going to be able to explain. You know, I don't have the answers. If you have the answers, let me know. And these are tough things. I don't know why they happen. You know, when I was um, back in 2010, um, my, part of my family lives in, my Korean family lives in Texas. And um, my grandmother lives there you know, with my aunt. And I was there, and uh, my grandma was getting more sick. She was about 85, and she was getting more sick sick by the day. And I was there for a week. And, uh, and when I first saw her, she, like, hugged me. She gave me a big kiss on the cheek, you know, the grandma kisses that leave, like, a mark. And uh, I was like, oh. And then she'll forget, and then she'll kiss on this side. And she gave me so much love, and I was there. And I was there for about five days, and I remember I woke up, and I was eating breakfast, and I was having my quiet time. My grandmother comes out of the door, and she goes, grandson, Daniel, when, are you, when did you get here? When did you get here? I'm like, Grandma, I've been here for five days. She's like, no, when did you get here? How come you didn't tell me? And I looked at her. I'm like, Grandma, I've been here for five days. And it was just so sad because she really meant it. And she was suffering from Alzheimer's. And I was like, I, it was weird to see my grandma that way. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Eventually, she even got cancer. And I saw her not being able to hold down her food. Um, I saw her throw up a lot, being fatigued. And it wasn't the same grandma that used to tell me stories or take me to the park or, um, you know, take me to the beach. You know, I just saw her life just deteriorating. And so how is this fair? Um, You know, I also went out to school at Cal State Long Beach. Um, I graduated school, and one of my friends, she was visiting her dad for Father's Day. And she was on the 5 freeway, and it was raining really hard. Uh, A Mercedes car, you know, was on her bumper. She didn't move over. The Mercedes hydroplaned hit her car, and spun and went into the, inner, the middle side, and she died, exploded. She was 25 years old at the time. And she was going to surprise her dad for Father's Day. You know, so these kind of things, these are not good things. These are just evil. You know, there's no explanation to this. You know, and, and I've even had, you know, I know I'm young, but I had severe uh, uh, back lower pain a few years ago. Um, it was so severe. I, I don't know what happened, but I couldn't even you, get up to use the restroom. And I tried for two hours, and I was sweating, trying to get out, and I couldn't. I just felt like something was wrong with my nerves. Thank God I went to the doctors, and they figured it out, and I'm okay. But, you know, I, 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 I respect even those out here that have chronic pain. You know, it's tough. It's not fair. It's not your fault. You know, and, and, and I love the fact that how God doesn't just dismiss this with like a wave of the hand. He doesn't say, ah, that's just the way it is. You know, that's not God's way. In fact, the Bible takes the issue of suffering head on. You know, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22, it says, for, for me to live is to Christ and to die. Excuse me, it's Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. You know, is Paul crazy? The answer that if he's right, Maybe he's crazy, but he's honest. (laughs) The conclusion that death of a human being is an evil thing requires the assumption that physical death is the final end. You know, Paul talks about it. A bunch of other authors in the New Testament talks about it, that there's going to be a resurrection at the end of the days. So if Paul said it's wrong, then death is tragic. But we as believers, as Christians, we don't believe that. We believe he's right. And that the follower of Jesus, it just marks a transition Death just marks a transition to something far more better, far more glorious than us being confined to our physical bodies. Amen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42, 44, he talks about it some more. So will it be the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And you guys ever you guys ever think about heaven sometimes? You guys sometimes? Sometimes I just daydream about it. Sometimes it's not good. I'm on the 405 thinking about heaven. That's not good. But no, I think about it when I have hard times. I think about it when life is hard. I had a, a rough couple of weeks, uh, you know, I talked to Steve about it and got open, but it's had a rough couple of, last week, you know, just some things happened at the house in my household and with my roommates. Um, I was just feeling kind of down with not feeling close to some of my family members. Like, man, I wish I was closer to my 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 brother. You know, we're so distant, but we're so close in age. Um, I was just kind of sad about a lot of my friendships. A lot of my best friends are married, and, you know, they kind of left me to be with their wives. It's okay. I don't know. I guess that's biblical. I guess that's what you do. But, you know, just all my core group of friends, my best friends, are all married. And... And uh, yeah, it's OK, I can still call them or they live in different states and different cities. And, you know, I kind of miss them. I do kind of feel lonely. And I remember I went to my favorite prayer spot. It's a Signal Hill in Long Beach. You guys know that place? Yeah. Signal Hill. And I went up there and I went with another brother and we just prayed. And I was just praying. And I was getting, te- you know, teary eyed and choked up just thinking about heaven. Because when I think about heaven, God says there's going to be no more suffering, no more anxiety, no more pain. Whatever your, your worst problem is, it's not even going to be around anymore. And I was just thinking about that. And that's the promise we get when we're disciples of Christ. Amen? We get another life. This life is so short and temporary. You know, I like to think about it like this. If 2016 started off and I got into a car accident, which I did two weeks ago. That's part of the reason. But let's say I got into a car accident in 2016 on January 5th. And then I broke my leg on January 30th. I'll tell you, you know, my year is going pretty, da- pretty bad. Right? It's not going well. I think Jackie had a rough year one time. She was sick and all the stuff was happening. She had surgeries. But things like that happen. But what if later on in the year, good things started happening? happen? I got a promotion. Um, I don't know. My health got better. My job uh, promoted me even higher than a promotion. I've made more friendships. I got married. I've had kids. Who knows? So in the whole realm of things, if someone asked me, hey, how was your year of 2016? would I say, you know what, it was a terrible year? I wouldn't say that. I'll say, you know what, it started off kind of rough, kind of was terrible, but in the big scheme of things, it was a great year. I got married, I got a promotion, I bought a dog, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) It was a great year. I don't even remember my broken leg, I don't even remember getting in a car accident. And that's the same thing with heaven. You know, our momentary troubles, it might seem so bad, but if we're in heaven for a thousand years... 10,000 years for eternity, your time on earth is so short that you wouldn't say, Oh, my life was suffering. It was so much suffering. It would be, my life was worth it. It was worth it to go through that pain. You know, and if you're a visitor, I want to encourage you to study the Bible with someone that, that brought you out today and learn what it means to be a disciple. God wants to give you the same promise, He wants to give you the same hope. You know, we would love to open the Bible with you and share our stories. Here, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I do want to give you guys some homework and things that you guys can read on your own on your quiet times, and I'm going to kind of briefly go through it. But we talked about all the bad things about suffering, moral laws, the natural laws. But what can suffering produce? The Bible talks about how it can actually produce some good things. One of the first one is no suffering equals no joy. Think about that. If you never suffer, you can never experience joy. Right, The Bible says in Psalms 35 that weeping may come during the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. Suffering leads to growth and good character, Romans 5. You know, when you're going through a hard time, God says if you persevere, you will grow character. If you are weak in something, maybe your patience gets better. If you are lacking trust, maybe your trust gets better. Maybe it helps you become more compassionate towards others. Amen? Our suffering brings peace and glory to God. A lot of the times, you know, we're going through it and we feel like nobody understands. And I feel that somewhat sometimes. I feel like it's three in the morning. I'm not going to call Steve Marucci or anyone else at three. Thank you. Right. I just feel like, man, who can I talk to? But you know what? I can talk to God. God knows what I'm going through and he sees that and it brings praise and glory to God. All suffering can be used for the good in the end. Romans 8:28. You know, I love this passage. It's one of my favorite passages. You know, if I had a coffee cup, who loves coffee here? All right. We've got coffee lovers. When I say a coffee cup is good and I drink it, what am I saying? Am I saying that the, the coffee beans are good? Am I saying that the aroma smells good? Am I saying that the temperature is perfect? Am I saying that it's, it's in my favorite cup? No, I'm saying all that together. Everything combined is good. I'm saying the coffee is good at the end. And is it the same with our suffering? Suffering is not good. I want to make that clear. There's nothing good about suffering. When you guys are going through a hard time, there's nothing good about it. But God says that he can use all of that and make it good Amen. somehow, maybe in this lifetime or maybe later in heaven. Amen. Oh, Suffering is the natural result of doing good. First Peter two twenty 20 through 21, second Timothy, chapter three, verse 12. You know, we're going to suffer just doing good things. Sometimes we just have bad bosses and you have to serve your boss. Or sometimes you're just trying to represent Jesus. Jesus says that if you're going to follow me, people will persecute you. You will suffer for doing good. And finally, through suffering, we come to know Christ and to fulfill his purpose. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 27. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. You know, Paul here is not teaching, in the last one, he's not teaching a new doctrine that our suffering saves us. He came to a deep understanding of Jesus. You know how? It was through his suffering. You know, it's hard to think of anyone who suffered more than Paul when I think about the Bible. He went through so many floggings, multiple floggings. He's been beaten with rods. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He almost starved to death. All this, and you know what he says, the greatest suffering was his deep concern for the churches he planted. What? doesn't make any sense. Paul was one of the most joyful people even through all that suffering. Why? Because through suffering, he came to know Christ. In there, there's great joy. You know, how many you guys can raise your hands here. How many of you guys came to know Jesus because of some form of suffering? Okay, that's what I expected. About half the room. Some of us just found Jesus. Some of us was going through it, was going through a bad breakup. Maybe God needed your heart to be broken so you can be desperate for God. Maybe you needed to lose your job so you can be desperate for God. You know, at the end of the day, suffering is great because we could see Jesus. I'm grateful. You know, I I had a lot of sin. Um, You know, I got drunk a lot, went to parties, smoked weed, did all this stuff. And during that time of my life, joy came at night, but weeping came in the morning. When I woke up the next day, I always felt in misery. But God saved me from that. And he saved a lot of us, too. You know, in conclusion, I, I want to show you a video here. But we might not have all the answers to why they're suffering. You know, what we do know that if you allow it to mold you and help you become more like Christ, at the end, it's all going to be worth it. So at this time, I'm going to go ahead and play this video. After this video, we're going to transition to communion. One of
1: the biggest reasons people have a hard time believing in God. Is because they wonder, if God does exist, why do bad things happen? We live in a world full of hate, war, pain and disease. And there's so much suffering in the world on a global scale. And personally, we've all experienced loss and hurt in some way or another. And we've all found ourselves asking God, why? And even people who don't believe in God ask him why when something bad happens. So, why do bad things happen? God gives mankind free will. He gives people the ability to choose. He doesn't want us to be mindless robots that only know how to do good. But unfortunately, this free will has been abused and mankind has been the cause for many worldwide problems. We hear about poverty and starvation and then blame God for not doing something about it. But actually, Research tells us there's enough food on this planet to see every person fed in abundance. But also, there's enough money to see every person live a life of great wealth. It is a fact that there are more resources than we need, and yet we blame God for the bad stewardship of mankind. We also ask God, why is there war? And yet it's mankind who started wars, not God. Humanity makes a mess creates tragedy and then asks God why he let it happen. We want free will to be able to reject God. Then we expect God to dictate our decisions and force everyone to do good. Also, it means if God exists, then Satan exists as well. We find it hard to imagine Satan being real. We see him as this fictional character, this big red man with a goatee. But when we see the evil in our world, it's not so hard to believe in the existence of satan the bible says that satan wants to steal kill and destroy satan is the one who wants to bring pain and suffering into our lives not god you might be going through something right now that seems too much to bear it's one of the greatest storms you've ever had to face let me tell you this god did not send it your way and in fact He wants to help you. The ironic thing is, when something awful happens, we blame God and push him away, when actually, God is the very thing we need in that situation, the one who will comfort us and carry us through. Picture this. A little girl is running in the park. She falls over, scrapes her knee and is bleeding. Her dad rushes over. He picks her up, wipes her wounds and comforts her. Was the pain she felt her fault? No. Was it her dad's fault? No. In her pain and confusion, she doesn't point her finger at her dad and ask, why did you let this happen? She understands that her dad loves her, that he wants to help her, that he wants to bring good into that situation. It's the same with us and God. Things happen to us that aren't our fault, And they aren't God's fault. We can either push God away and get angry at him. Or we can let him bring good into our situation. To let him pull us through our greatest struggles. When we really take a step back. Really, the good in our world outweighs the bad. Have you ever asked, why do good things happen? Like when you fall in love. Or when a baby is born. Or when you laugh so much, you end up crying. <laughs> you see that epic sunrise, or taste an amazing meal. Or when you see someone's face in that powerful act of kindness. How can God not exist and there's so much good in our world?
0: That's a great video, right? You know, there's so much good in this world, you know, especially God sending Jesus to us. And because of Jesus' suffering, our suffering is temporary. It's not permanent. You know, Paul goes on that our current physical bodies are fading. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 17, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, and some of us are going through a difficult suffering right now. You know, as we speak, maybe some of us has lost our job or can't find a job for months. But maybe that's what God's helping you to keep you more desperate. Maybe we've made some bad uh, choices and we're in a low spot right now. But maybe that's what God's keeping you you desperate. Uh, But God is not done with you. You know, maybe it's a health challenge, marriage tension. You know, maybe some of the parents are feeling discouraged because your kids, you guys just can't get through to them. And you guys are fearing a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter moment. But you know what? God knows your kids. You know, maybe some of us here are even thinking about leaving God and his church. And maybe that's why you're here and the Holy Spirit is telling you not to give up. You know, we have to be desperate like Jesus was. And Jesus was desperate in in Gethsemane in the garden. He, he was pleading with God. He was praying that God can help him through his suffering. You know, these are the moments that helps us draw closer to him. Jesus knows suffering better than anyone in this room. You know, to be ripped away from his relationship with God emotionally, physically, and spiritually, that is the biggest sacrifice. You know, whatever you're going through, Jesus is interceding on your behalf. How does that sound? Right now, whatever you're going through, Jesus is praying to God. Interceding. Interceding means he's talking for you. You know, I appreciate Jesus and his understanding of sacrifice. If it wasn't for his sacrifice on the cross, we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have each other. And more importantly, we wouldn't have life with him. So as we get ready to take communion, I want you guys to think about just the suffering that's going on in your life. What is God doing? If you guys have become a disciple, I want, you, I want to encourage you guys to remember the first time you became a disciple. Why? Why did you make that choice? So with that, we're going to go ahead and pray. Uh only Father, God, uh, thank you for just uh, your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus, how he's just suffered uh, the worst suffering imaginable. God, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, and God, how he would gladly just do it again uh, to save us. God, thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you that we don't have to suffer forever, that whatever we're going through, God, that one day that this life will all be meaningless and that we'll be in heaven. God, I pray that we can remember you, remember Jesus' sacrifice and what he's done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.